What is up everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. How are you doing? You ready for a conversation about collecting sports cards? Let's go. I'm joined by my man, Nate. He goes by in cardboard veritas on Instagram. Excited for this one. He is someone I've been wanting to have on for some time. His vintage collection is madness. Today, we're going to be talking about setting a foundation for why we collect, going through something he put up in the stories recently I thought was interesting and would make for a good episode. We should always be asking ourselves the question, why we collect. The more we reflect and think about it, I think the stronger our connection gets with this damn hobby. If you like what I'm doing over here, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons, weekly rip. It'll be revived sometime soon. Sign up. The newsletter is in the show notes. You ready for this conversation? Let's do this. What's up, everyone? Um, excited for this one. Um, I think we all have this question of why we collect. I ask myself that sometimes and think back to my childhood, all the things that I've collected, and then getting back to this point and this maturation and evolution I've had uh, with the hobby. And I think I'm not alone. There are so many of you out there who um, are going through the same thing. And I've been following today's guest, which is Nate in Cardboard Veritas, which is one of my favorite uh, Instagram names for um, some time. And I, he posted in his, uh, on his page, just like reasons, 12 reasons of why he collects. And so I thought it'd be fun to dig into his collecting those topics and um, just have a good old fashioned collector conversation this week. But without further ado, Nate, welcome. How are you doing, man? Hey, I'm great, Brett. Thanks a lot for having me on. I really appreciate it. I've, uh, I've enjoyed, um, your podcast since I, I really first got back into the hobby a few years ago and really, you know, always, always enjoy your take on the hobby and, you know, couldn't be having this conversation with someone I'd, I'd be more excited to be having it with. Cause I think even though you and I collect pretty different stuff, I think we really are, are very closely aligned in how we think about the hobby and some of the things that draw us to it and, and keep us excited about it. So looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. And I think maybe a good place to start is that because I've, We'll give him a plug here because he's a friend of both of ours. But I've I have always told Rob, sports card therapist, that some of my favorite conversations that he hosts are with you. And it's because you're talking about vintage and diving into the passion and where it comes from. Even even though I'm not a vintage guy, I leave. I always like when I'm consuming content, I'm I, I'm always just I want like one piece or one nugget, something I can be educated on. And I feel like uh, learning from you about the vintage market, the cards you collect. It's like stuff I'm not necessarily looking at and focused on, but like gathering those insights from, from you, I think makes me a more educated collector, even though we're not collecting in the same lane. So I maybe we start there. Just like if you open up your page, like it is chock full of vintage cards. I think it's super cool. You, you know, kind of collect with your son and you're both kind of on this vintage um, rampage of just collecting amazing cards that are historically significant to the hobby. And I'm assuming yourself as well. So maybe talk about like the vintage of it all, like why vintage, where does it come from? Yeah, sure. Um, well, yeah, in terms of kind of where, where I started with the hobby, I, you know, I started out collecting at a really young age and it was in the eighties and, you know, really collected very hard throughout the eighties. I started 
I think the first year I bought cards was, was 82 and it was football cards. I was eight years old at that time. And then really got into it like in 85 and was doing mostly baseball stuff then for the next like kind of five years or so, but a lot of decent amount of basketball and a little bit of football too, you know, real kind of junk wax baby, like, you know, a lot of us in, in the hobby, you know, and a lot of us who came back really aggressively and fully during COVID and I'm, you know, I'm one of those as well, but mixed in as I was, you know, collecting as a kid with the 80 stuff. And, you know, I, I was doing it with, you know, certainly with my friends, but then also with my dad a decent bit. And he grew up a Yankees fan and a Mickey Mantle fan. And um, we'd go to shows together. And so in between my Don Mattingly and Ken Griffey and Jordan and Pippen and Stockton and your guy, Reggie Miller, you know, and all those guys that, that we were collecting um, in the 80s, you know, my dad was kind of mixing in some, Hey, you know, take a look at this Mick and take a look at this maze and this Jackie Robinson and stuff. And so even at that age, I kind of started to really have an appreciation for it. It didn't take too much convincing by him to, to get me to really sort of feel a, a connection to that stuff. And um, so that was where it really started. And then I was kind of, you know, for, for many, many years, sort of very loosely in the hobby. I always had the cards from when I was a kid and you know, kind of occasionally would stop in, in a card shop or, you know, pull out the old cards, you know, maybe buy a box here or there. But then, you know, in 2020, um, really got fully back into it, um, started doing basketball stuff and, and quickly gravitated toward the older stuff, especially with basketball. So, I, you know, a lot of vintage hoops initially um, that kind of led me then to ended up doing a lot of Jackie Robinson collecting and then just have really kind of one thing has led to the other. I also collected a fair bit of modern stuff when I got back into it, especially modern basketball. And, you know, did that, you know, sort of co-equal with vintage for the first maybe year or so. But then since then, I've really kind of found that that my calling is a lot more on the vintage side. So that's that's kind of the history and how I ended up there. So I think um, maybe I might throw myself into this camp. I think Many people don't uh, dip their toe in vintage because it it's overwhelming. It's like, where do I start? Um, these players likely did not play during my lifetime. So it's like this, you have the story of your dad introducing these car, Mickey Mantle, these players to you. And there's a connection there. But I think some of us might struggle because we haven't seen these players active. And then we do want to think about vintage. There's just so many directions in ways we can go about it. So maybe oftentimes we just kind of stay away and then just stay getting comfortable collecting what we collect, I guess, like to anyone out there that is, has thought about vintage, but like has had some of those roadblocks or obstacles, like what kind of advice would you give to those individuals as being someone who kind of has collected both, um, but focuses more primarily on the vintage side now? Mm, Yeah, that's a good question. Right. I mean, you know, certainly a big part of it for me has been always kind of being a real appreciator of the history of the games, you know, and even as a kid, like, you know, I'd read a lot about, um, you know, some of the early ball players and watch movies and, you know, TV shows and all that stuff. Again, well, I mean, really baseball, football and basketball, all three sports, I always kind of really appreciated that stuff. And, you know, certainly it did, some of it did come from my dad, but really I think it's kind of like either you're attracted to that history or you're not in, mm. in some ways, you know, and I, I just always have been. And 
there's a romanticism about it for me. You know, I think even with this, for me, I, I really collect like sort of 1950s and, and earlier for the most part. Um, so, you know, even with the fifties, like the mantle and maze and say, you know, Bill Russell, Jim Brown, those kind of guys, there, there's a real romanticism, but then you go back even further to guys like Joe DiMaggio, Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb going, you know, kind of deeper and deeper into history. And, you know, I just, I just love, you know, kind of watching shows about that stuff, reading online about it, what a different world it was then, what a different society it was then, how these guys were you know, just such heroes and such a focus of society at the time that, that they were playing, you know, so that, that stuff is just always kind of captivated me that history. And so, you know, I think developing some kind of appreciation for that is, is almost a necessity to, to collecting vintage stuff and want, you know, wanting to learn about that. So whatever your access point is, whether it's, you know, you like watching old movies or you want to pick up a biography of somebody and read about them and learn about them, you know, maybe somebody that, you know a little bit about and want to learn some more about friends that collect vintage certainly you know i mean that's that's a huge part of it for me is is the community as well you know and i i learn so much you know every day talking to to the guys that collect similar stuff that i do so you know it's it's just getting a love for that history and then you know maybe start buying a you know you learn pick up a card learn a little more about it and then just like it does with any other element of what you collect it's going to lead you down different directions and different pathways I love it. I think so much of the hobby is about that we see on the surfaces uh, about buying card and then selling card or buying card, keeping it from a second and then something bigger. We see we trade out of it and get a new card. Uh, something that stood out to me that what I saw on your profile is like buy and forever hold. And I think buying and forever hold. Uh, I think we all know like when those cards come like in the mail, like that's like, okay, I had to go through a lot of work. There are a lot of boxes this one checked and there's no way this one will ever get pried out of my collection, but maybe talk about this, like buy in forever hold mentality. Like how do you think about it? And um, each purchase you make, is that like your intention is your intention to say, this is just, I'm buying this because it's getting stashed filed away in the the PC forever. Like what, how do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, at this point, it, it really kind of is, um, you know, when when I really started getting back into the hobby in early 2020, I kind of came back in with my hair on fire a little bit. You know, I think the probably true for a lot of us, but the mailman and FedEx guy and, all, you know, they must have thought I was crazy. You know, like I just a normal mail getter for years and years. And all of a sudden I've got like you know, on a Monday, 14 packages showing up in my house, and stuff, you know, so, so it took me a little while when I got back into it to really fully figure out what I was doing, you know, and so there's some stuff that I got certainly that I moved on from and, you know, and every once in a while, I still will do that. But I've gotten to a point now where I'm really focused on what I what I want, you know, and what I want to have in my collection. And so I, I tend to keep a list, you know, it more often is trying to grow longer than it should, but in particular, like the top five or 10 cards that I really want to, to add to my collection for various reasons. And so I try to be really intentional about it and I'm trying to, you know, I mean, I, I just love collecting. I love having the cards and, you know, I'm not doing it really to try to make money. Um, you know, it's not like a side hustle for me. If, if I make any money, it's just to put it back into cards. And 
for the most part, I'd rather just buy the cards that I want to have and, you know, not have to like flip my way to them if it's not necessary. But, you know, I sell some stuff once in a while, you know, for example, if I upgrade a card, you know, like I, I bought one, you know, or I had one from when I was a kid and now I want to get a better one, or I bought one a few years ago, I want to get a higher grade or a better eye appeal card than the one I had, you know, certainly I'll do some of that. Every once in a while, I fall out of love with a card and we'll sell it. But the vast majority of the stuff I, I buy because I've really decided that it's got an important place in my collection. I'm excited when I get it and I don't have any plans to, to part with it. So one of the things I pick up from, from a lot of uh, collectors uh, that are pretty serious and you know treat the hobby just as you described is the, the list, um, whether it's in like you know, a, a notebook, one sheet, like written, like it's that list because if you have the list and you write it down, then you're holding yourself accountable. And it's also like, it gives you some intention. So I feel like so often, like we are victim to what's coming at us, like in our safe searches and we react to these things and then we get the card. And then, you know, a month or two months later say, you know what, I just needed to like fill this void at this time where I needed a mail day. And at that time that satisfied it. But if I'm thinking about my PC long-term, like this card doesn't really have a place. So we ended up selling it and we lose a hundred bucks or 200 bucks on it. And then we move on. So I don't know, like, I love the list idea because it allows you to be in more control and be on offense in a, in a way. Is that kind of uh, the reason why you keep the list and uh, you're, you're using that to kind of influence what you buy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's the primary reason is enforced discipline for sure. Yeah. Cause it's, you know, like you said, there's, there's so much that comes at you and there's so many directions you can go down and so many great cards, frankly, that are available that would interest me that, you know, to, to be able to enforce a budget and enforce some discipline in what I collect and where I'm going with, with my collection, um, you know, it's, it's become a necessity for me. And you know, certainly I'll, I'll still deviate from it and make some impulse buys here and there, but those are mostly like kind of really small buys and, you know, something catches my, you know, we and I've talked a little bit, I'm, I'm a big Buffalo Bills fan and, you know, enjoy rooting for Josh Allen. So I'll buy a little Josh Allen card here and there, you know, he plays well and they get a big win, you know, so I'll get a, a little Josh Allen mail, but you know, with a kind of, you know, bigger cards in the real core of my collection, I, I really try to you know, be very, very focused on, on what I want to get and, you know, what's, what's the right next card for, for my collection. And it can take me a long time. I mean, that's one of the, you know, the really fun things for me on the vintage side is that I feel like every card is unique. You know, you look at the pop report for a card and it might say in, you know, the PSA pops a thousand, but, you know, for me, for the most part, I collect kind of, um, you know, kind of low to mid grade high eye appeal cards and, for a lot of the cards that I'm looking for, finding the right one with the right eye appeal at a good price can can really take a long time, you know, often years and looking at hundreds of them before, you know, before I find the right one that's the right fit for where it should fit within my collection. Is this the reason why I feel like vintage has such a big place in person at the shows? Uh, because there are collectors like you that are wanting to touch, feel, look at it in hand and make the decision. Yeah, this is the copy for me or no, this is not the copy for me. Yeah, that that's got to be part of it for sure. Yeah, because they write. I mean, the the wear is so different. And, you know, there's often some 
you, you know, subtle wear or creasing or whatever that could be hard to see. And when I'm making a big purchase, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, and often it'll be a PSA two or a one and a half or a three or whatever. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's seen some things, you know, in the last <laughs> 70, 80, 100 years or whatever. And so, you know, I'm not shy about asking for five, six, seven, eight pictures, different angles, different lighting, because you want to, if it's a big buy, I want to have a real sense for what it's going to look like in hand. And, you know, when I'm collecting the more modern stuff, if it's a nine or it's, you know, eight or a nine, I can kind of usually tell why, you know, I see a little bit of corner, you know, it's not, it's not going to have a crease that I didn't see in the first picture or something, but um, yeah, I think that probably is really part of it. It's it's very much, you know, kind of tactile and wanting to to be able to see from many different angles and and hold it in hand, kind of what it's going to look like. Awesome. So I want to get into the 12 kind of reasons why we you collect and go through those and get some reaction and response from you. But before I do that, you mentioned mailman earlier and it triggered this in my head that it is the holidays. And it's always a good idea. I know my, my mailman's name is Austin, and it's good to get your mailman something, especially if they have spent all year trying to make sure your cards get in your in, uh, in your mailbox. So just want to shout that out. Some tip your mailman, do something, treat them well, because they're getting your cards in your mailbox. Great advice. Yep. I'm so nice to the mailman and, and the, the FedEx lady. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. So the thing that stood out for me, I, and I, this was so relatable when I read them, um, but you put together in your on your page, like 12 things that you kind of asking yourself, like why I collect and here are the things. I think maybe before we get into those 12 things, like um, talk to me a little bit about that exercise. Like, why did you post that? What was going on in your head? like share some behind the scenes of like where that came from. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm, I'm glad you asked me that because I wanted to be sure to give the proper shout out for, for the the topic. And that's, um, I don't know, do you know Sean Victory Investments? Oh yeah, yes yeah. sir. Okay, great. So, you know, he's he's a great collector and a, just a great hobbyist and content creator and, and all that. So he often goes on, you know, some, brings up some pretty provocative topics on, on his page. And he was posting about, tell me why you collect and stuff. So he kind of introduced the topic. And so the, my um, story post was a response to his question. So that was kind of, yeah, where, where that came from initially, but I was like, man, that's, that's a great question. And it's one that, um, you know, I, I think I sort of, goes through my mind loosely, certainly fairly frequently, but actually kind of sit down and think about it and, and try to make a list I felt like was a fun exercise. Shout out, Sean. Shout out, Victory Investments. Got a chance to meet him in Dallas at the Dallas Card Show. It seems like forever ago at this point, but definitely good dude. So let's get into your list. Number one, you you say the joy. So I think you, anyone can look at the, the word the jo- joy and be like, yeah, the hobby brings me joy. But like for you, like what kind of joy does it does it bring you like, how does it make your life better? Yeah, that's probably the easiest one. And that's where I feel like you and I are most connected, right? Like we're, we're both a hundred percent certain that we're in the best hobby in the world and we know it every day, right? Like there's, <laughs> there's all this other drama and all this other stuff around it, but you know, like we just have so much fun doing it and it's, it's all of it. You know, I mean, I love looking at my cards. I love being on Instagram and talking to my buddies on there. You mentioned early on, you know, I do it with my son collecting. He's 14 and 
He's on Instagram as well. And he's a huge collector. When I first got back into it, it, you know, took him a little bit. He initially was like, well, why don't you just sell these and take the money? You know, like that was kind of his first reaction to it. But since then he's, you know, he's gotten really, really into it as well. So he and I, you know, most nights we're, we're spending some time talking cards. He's looking at, you know, potential new additions. He's pulling his cards out and stuff. So, you know, the mail days, the grades popping, the, you know, the thrill of, you know, the hunt going to shows, you know, I mean, the whole thing, it's just, it's just so much fun that, you know, it's, it's, uh, the, the joy part speaks for itself. I think. You just said like, you know, six things that uh, six or seven things that we all do. And to be honest with you, like those, all those things, like, uh, those consume a lot of time and they, they make me really happy and you know they make you really happy. And it's almost like, you know, there's so much distractions that go on all the time and the community people, you know, pointing fingers saying this and that it's like, if you focus in on like those six or seven things and it's, it, it becomes really easy to block out some of that noise. So I love how joy is at the top of the list. And it seems like the more we lean into that, the just the better hobby experience we all have. Yeah, no, absolutely. Right. How about you, man? What on the joy topic? I, I know you, you're full of joy in the hobby, but what, what are a couple that really come to mind for you in terms of like kind of making you happiest in your hobbyist hobby experience? Yeah. So I love it. The flipping the, the tables on me and getting a chance to respond a little bit. I, I think uh, for me, it is, I say this a lot and I continue to go back to it, but it's this element of very busy professional husband, uh, new dad, tons of life priorities that I am very honored to have in my life. Um, but sometimes, you know, we, you just need to turn your brain off and there's no better way to turn your brain off than just exploring sports cards and the cards you love. And I always say the hobby is an escape. And I truly believe that because it's like some people play video games, some people watch movies, but like, I literally, like before we got on here, uh, my wife was out to dinner with a friend. The baby's upstairs asleep. And I'm just like, there. I, there's so many things I can do. I can look at people's pages on Instagram. I can DM my buddies. I can get on eBay. I can go look at auctions, see if anything I want. Like, it's it, like I could literally be doing stuff in the hobby 24-7. So it's like, I have to pull the plug. And it's like, that's my entertainment. So like, that's where I get a lot of joy. There's so much activity that we can do. And it's it's very rewarding every time. And it doesn't necessarily always have to do with like making a purchase. I think everything we do and all this activity leads to the purchases, but it's I, I enjoy the process of everything in between. Nice. Great answer, man. I love it. I love it. So I think so much about the hobby is about like understanding that it's an evolution and there's a maturing process. I'm sure when you came back in the hobby, there are things that you probably don't do now, but you learn from them. I'm the same way. So I think like you listed kind of as number two lessons and learning. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you, you set it up perfectly because, you know, a couple that come to mind certainly are patience and discipline. Um, you know, and those, those couple things I think are, are really important, um, to, you know, collecting the way that I like, like to collect and am evolving toward collecting. So, you know, in terms of patience, uh, you know, there's temptation all the time, you know, and, and the patience and discipline are kind of tied together, you know, in terms of, you know, 
you can spend a lot of money really quickly if if you're not careful and you can buy stuff that isn't necessarily what what is the best fit for for your collection um and so you know learning to to say no and to be patient and and to be really disciplined and thoughtful in terms of how you approach it um i i think is something that we all learn and continue to evolve toward and you know and those certainly are lessons that can apply to to other aspects of life as well um you know that i like a lot about you know kind of the some of the business dealings you know that you have the negotiations the trades the you know kind of interpersonal stuff that you have at shows and and online you know so i, I think those are some of the things that you kind of have an opportunity to really exercise in in the hobby that um you know, are both fun to kind of grow and evolve as you collect. And then also maybe have some applicability outside of it as well. I love that. Um, I think so much about lessons and learning is inspiration that we draw from other people, pages, accounts. Is there anyone specifically that you have been following and you think about just like your like maturation, whether it's their collecting, whether it's somebody who's taught you something like a page or uh, an individual that you think about when someone you've learned from in the hobby so far, man, there's a lot, <laughs> there's a putting lot. you on the, um, putting you on the spot. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so I'll mention a couple, um, you know, there is one show that I found really early, you know, in addition to yours was the the crossover, Chris HOJ and, and cardboard, you know, Josh and Chris, the, those guys are so smart about the hobby. And, you know, I just, I just love their take and, how knowledgeable and thoughtful they are. They're, you know, almost kind of like the voice or the conscience of the hobby in a way on that show. And so I've, I've learned a ton by listening to those guys. Uh, and then, you know, on the vintage side, you know, I just, I, I learned so much all the time from, from the guys that I interact with on Instagram primarily. And, you know, I've got a great group of, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 guys that I interact with a lot. And, among those, there's, you know, four or five that I really talk to a lot of, you probably know some of them, um, 1956 Tops guy, uh, Tops guy is his name, um, July Tango Whiskey is another one, uh, Sports Cards and Sunsets, um, mm. Vintage Slab Man, uh, and Pretty Good Sports Cards. Those guys all come to mind as like really good longtime collectors, great, great friends in the hobby that I you know, talk to and chat with and, and learn from a ton. So it, it's a long list, but those are the ones that come initially to mind. I think hearing the crossover guys read questions from, I've listened to it every week. So I hear that you're in cardboard Veritas. And I think that was my first exposure to you. I'm like, Sorry. this guy's asking questions. Let me go check out his page. <laughs> next thing I know, follow. Next thing I know, we're having a conversation. So um, <laughs> awesome. love the shout out there. I want to put the next one's kind of put these all the next three all together because you have history nostalgia and the art and i feel like at some level like those kind of all play into each other a, a little bit so maybe talk about like those three areas for why you collect and and what they mean and if they're if they intertwine or if they don't yeah sure yeah you know the history and nostalgia certainly do um and you know i talked a little bit on the history side already but I like kind of connecting cards to the, you know, uh, on the vintage side, especially to the era, you know, and I have, it, it's given me an opportunity to learn more about the players, about the sports, about their role in society, you know, in particular, 
you know, some collecting some of the guys like Jackie Robinson and Bill Russell that have had a really prominent role in the civil rights movement. Um, you know, I've, I've found to be, you know, really fun and, and fulfilling and learning more about some of what they did and, and represented in, you know, in society at the time that they were playing and not only advancing their sports, but, you know, advancing causes much larger than that. Um, so, you know, kind of tying in some of that history, I, I, I find really fun and fulfilling. And then, you know, looking deeper, you know, guys like Babe Ruth and, you know, sort of what he meant to, to New York and to baseball and, and the world when, when he was playing and learning some more about that, you know, so that's kind of the historical side, the nostalgia, I'd say it's, you know, it's really largely kind of born out of my collecting as a kid and, you know, kind of going back to those times and doing it with my dad and, you know, growing up doing it. And then also the nostalgia for, you know, kind of an early, earlier, simpler time and looking at, you know, collecting a Ty Cobb card or something like that. So those two definitely are, you know, the history and nostalgia are very, very closely tied together. And then on the art side, um, you know, that's really a big part of it for me in terms of what there, like you said, you know, there's so much you can collect in, you know, even if you narrow it down to, I mean, on the baseball side, vintage baseball, I'd say there's so many, you know, on the vintage basketball side, there's actually quite a bit less. There's, you know, you can get your arms around vintage basketball fairly quickly and kind of understand what, you know, the really important cards and sets are. But on the baseball side, you know, it goes back to the mid 1800s. And, you know, there's just I don't know, so many sets, so many players that, you know, you got to find some ways to narrow it down. And one of the things for me really is aesthetics and, you know, the art on the cards that, that really, you know, kind of draws me to, to some of the stuff that I choose to collect. But I'm, I'm doing a series of posts on Instagram right now that's focused on kind of the color spectrum and vintage cards, you know, from all different colors and kind of going through the full spectrum of colors. And, you know, that's been something for me that I've really enjoyed is really, you know, bright, vivid coloring from some of these old cards and, you know, thinking about how they were able to you know, the craftsmanship that went into creating those cards a hundred years ago and, you know, the, the beauty that they have been able to retain through the years. So some thoughts on each of those. I hate saying best. So I'm going to say favorite, but what is your, from an art perspective, what is your favorite, favorite year product uh, on the vintage side from the art, from the art perspective? Yeah. Um, for me, I would say it's probably the 1933 Gaudi set. There, there's a lot of candidates, but that's the one for me that really stands out. It's, um, you know, again, very colorful, which is something that that tends to to attract me. Um, multicolored, uh, you know, a lot of different designs, um, some portraits, some action shots, and just, you know, a set very much ahead of its time that, that helped push cards and collecting forward. It's got four great Babe Ruth cards in it. So that's, if I have to pick a favorite baseball set, I think it's probably that one. Love it. So I want to talk about community and friendships. I think it's, there's, you talk to any collector, everyone says, you know, it's not just about the cards, but it's about the community. And when you are going through your example of activities with your son, talked about Instagram messaging people. I think that's a big part of growth in the hobby is just uh, getting inspired and learning from others, having people send you links to cards that become available that you might be busy at work and someone's just looking out for you. Um, talk about just the the importance of relationships and, and what that's meant to to your growth in the hobby. 
Yeah, for sure. It, I mean, you know, it just deepens the experience so much, you know, to be able to, and, you know, I know there's a lot of different ways to do it. I'll, again, I'll go back, you know, my, my primary way remotely is Instagram. And, you know, I, I think it's added such an element to the hobby. I mean, the guys that I talk to are spread out all over the country, you know, and so to be able to, you know, pick up my phone and talk to six really knowledgeable collectors and get their feedback in five minutes, anytime I want it, it's like a dream come true, you know? So, yeah, I mean, just, you know, learning from those guys, talking to them. And, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. It's like many of those guys I haven't met yet in person, many I have, but it's like some of those guys that, you know, I talked to a fair bit more than, you know, if I had to sit down and name my three or four best friends, you know, like I, we talked like (laughs) we're in this hobby. We love this hobby and our friends in the hobby end up being people that we really interact with a lot. And those friendships are genuine. So, I mean, it's, it's great from a learning standpoint, it's genuine friendships and it just, it deepens the experience so much. Totally. I, I think about this all the time. It's like, it gets to the point where your card friends are just your real, real friends. Like I talked to my wife about these people, like they're my friends from high school that she knows. And, but you build relationship, you, it it becomes not just about cards, but you're checking on kids and you're you're checking on sports teams that, you know, these people love. So it just extends it. And I think it's uh, the people is just another reason to way that kind of the hobby sinks its teeth. Um, in you. So I, I love you calling that out. Um, the next one is a personal favorite of mine. You talked about like the, the color spectrum stuff you were doing, but just like, I don't know, like I love great curation. I love people who are super intentional and it doesn't necessarily need to be like a picture on Instagram. That's like, you know, scanned nice and has a great background. Like that's all added stuff. But for me, like when I think about curation, I think about like somebody who is collecting with intention and is telling us, showcasing us these cards and telling the stories of what they're doing. So like one thing connects to another and it's like, man, that's like really building something and showcasing a passion and it's someone sharing it out to, to, to all of us. So like, I appreciate that. And I, I love how that was on your list. So maybe talk a little bit about like curation and what it means to you. Yeah, no, well, well said. And yeah, it's just um, right. It's the inspiration you take from seeing what other people are doing and and how they're building and growing and displaying their collections. One of the, one of the things I get excited about is seeing how people display their you know like a great display. It's like wow, that that's I'm gonna always like comment on that. Like that is incredible, and it's something I'm not great about myself. I'm trying to get a little better. You know, like we're all kind of growing and evolving, and we've got our different strengths and weaknesses, but. Yeah, curating, collecting, displaying, a, you know, a, a great collection. Um, it's a great challenge. And it's it's just, it's such a huge part of the fun, like kind of connecting those dots. Like, all right, hey, I just found this new set that I kind of became aware of. Let me dig a little deeper into that. Like, who are the players in that set? Is that a group of Hall of Famers that I feel like I want to collect it. How does that fit with some of the other stuff that I have? And, you know, does, does it fit aesthetically is, do I have some needs in terms of some of these players? And, you know, am am I drawn to these guys? Am I drawn to the design? What other 
sort of rabbit holes is that going to lead me down if I start with this certain subset? You know, so kind of thinking in all those ways about how I'm going to do it. And then at the same time, watching how other people are doing it and, you know, trying, trying to draw ideas from them is, you know, it's just, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like, that's how do you collect? What, you know, what is your collection? What are you curating? But doing it, like you said, in a way that's, that hopefully at least is really intentional. Uh, I feel like the next one you're going to have a lot of thoughts on just based on some of the stuff that's already been said, but just like intergenerations, like if you go to a card show, you can see like, you know, leg hobby legacies, you know, just in full force. I think the hobby is a melting pot. There's a lot of conversation about like bringing new younger people in. And there's always these ideas on how we do that. Most of which I don't really agree with, but I do agree with the organic, like son or daughter sees mom or dad collecting cards. And, uh, you know, when they're in bed, like, you know, they're on their phones or doing thing and they become curious. And then all of a sudden they get involved and all of a sudden they're along for the ride. It shows. And all of a sudden they're building these pieces. Like to me, that's how you grow the hobby. So I'd love to get your perspective. Cause I, I know there's a lot of that going, going on at your, in your household. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, it, it really started with, with my dad when I was a kid and, you know, other family members too, encouraging my collecting. Certainly my dad was one of those that got his collection thrown out by his mom, you know, so there's, there's that intergenerational element too. And he's still to this day talks about that and regrets that, that I think, boy, he, he had such a close relationship with his mom. I think that was maybe like the one thing that he actually held against her, like (laughs) throwing out his baseball cards. But so, you know, doing that uh, with my dad as a kid is, you know, it's great bonding time, great memories. We'd go to shows together and, you know, so that, that was awesome. And now having the chance to turn around and do that with my son, um, you know, it's just kind of obvious how, how cool that is. And we spend so much time together now doing it. And my dad and my son now talk about it. And, you know, my dad comes over and my son will be showing him the new cards that he got. And, you know, so it's, it's just, you know, whatever families choose to do, you, you hope that you can do some great bonding and have a lot of fun around it. And I think, collecting cards is certainly one of those areas that's really fertile ground for that. So we've, we've had an awesome time. 100%. I think so much about, so much about collecting cards is just like the understood of like everyone who's doing this has some appreciation for sports and watching sports, uh, appreciating sports. And I think literally like there are, there's no right way to do this, but then there there's this like, uh, Josh Allen example that you shared where it's like, I'm a Bills fan. I Josh Allen is incredible to watch, so I want to buy his cards. And then there's this, like, I have an appreciation for the history of sports, so I want to buy their card too and collect some vintage stuff. But at, at the center of it, it's just like sports. And you called out like this lifelong love of sport and just, I think, cards are an extension of that. So maybe share a little bit about what you mean in that little bullet. Yeah. I mean, one, one place I'd go with that is I, f- I feel like in a lot of ways, it's a way to kind of like intellectualize our love of sports. You know, like we've we've always had statistics and, you know, you can argue about who's better and all that. But, you know, c- collecting cards is uh, in a lot of ways a really pretty intellectual pursuit. And I feel like the the folks that I interact with that are really serious collectors, for the most part, are are really 
pretty smart guys and and ladies and you know and are drawn to kind of a sort of a way to connect in a way that's a little more intellectual with the the love of sport that we all otherwise share and so um you know i i that's kind of one one thing that that sort of comes to mind in terms of connecting our love of sport and the hobby it's you know a, a real way to kind of go deep in your mind in terms of hey how am I going to turn this love of my team, this love of these guys that I connect with into something really tangible and meaningful for me? I think that like this topic could make for an entire episode. I, I, I want to like respond so hard to that, but I, I think we'd extend this by for another hour by going. So, but I love that descriptor there. I've never thought about it that way, but that, that definitely triggered uh, something for me. The next two, I kind of think are, we can put together too is like, which is something we all appreciate is the pro like the hunt and the thrill uh, of it all. And then also, which leads to the ups and the downs. So maybe talk a little bit about it's almost like a sport, but it's not really a competition, but like there's definitely trials and tribulations. Um, there's definitely rewards. There's definitely down days. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, right. The hunt and the thrill. I mean, you know, that's, I, it's really exciting when, when something good happens to you in the hobby, right? Like either finding that card that you want or, or making, sometimes it's making a great sale. Um, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's having that grade pop that you wanted, or your friend gets a great card that, that he's really wanted for a long time. I mean, it's, there's, there's just so many, like, just, you know, really fun, exciting things that, that happen. Um, and so, you know, that, that's the, the upside of it. And yeah, like you said, um, there's certainly, you know, roller coaster elements too, and bad days and bad stuff that happens, but you know, that's part of life and collecting is, is a microcosm of life and that's st- nowhere that you go, nowhere that you spend a lot of time, are you going to have a perfect experience? And so, you know, I had one the other day on eBay. <laughs> I think eBay is probably a, a pretty common source of some of the bad experiences for us. <laughs> But, you know, I had a card listed on there and someone sent me uh, a pretty nice offer and I saw it and was on a call. And then about an hour later, I accepted the offer. And then like an hour later, I got a message from them saying that they had sent the offer accidentally. And oh no, could we please cancel the order? And, we, you know, so those kind of things happen like that doesn't happen to me very often. But or you'll think you have a deal for a card and then, you know, they say, hey, you know, I was talking to somebody else and they made me, you know, or the bad grade comes or what, you know, whatever it is that happens, like there's going to be some, some challenges and, and some bad, some bad days too, but you know, that's all part of it. And just like being from outside of Buffalo, you'd have, you'd have the winters and they make you enjoy the summer days even more. Right. (laughs) I love it. Uh, The last on your list is the, the long-term belief in the hobby and uh, vintage. And I think like if we zoom all the way out, at some level, like we all have conviction around cards and cardboard. Like if we didn't have a like strong belief and I, uh, I think the belief is certainly different from, for everyone. And it means something different for everyone. Talk a little bit about just like, obviously cards, sports cards, you talked about the, the Gaudi set, like these things have been around forever. Like before we were born, um, they will continue to go, uh, hopefully long after we're gone. So maybe talk a little bit about just like where your belief comes from. Yeah. And, you know, part of it is like, Hey, and you know, that age old question, are you a collector or are you an investor? And it's like, 
I'm primarily a collector, but I think it would be a little naive for me to say that I'm not in some way an invite, you know, like if it was just purely collecting and purely enjoyment, I would be overall buying less expensive cars. You know, like if I just really didn't care if they all went to zero, I probably would never spend more than a hundred dollars on a card. So there is some element in, you know, of thought about value and retention of value. So, mm. you know, what, what I think about primarily in terms of long-term belief is, is do I feel like there's a good chance that the stuff that I'm buying is a good long-term store of value? And, you know, and I do generally think that about this stuff, like you said, it's, you know, been a, for me, the stuff that I buy, it's been around a long time. I feel like, you know, the populations are fairly small compared to the number of collectors. I do feel like the hobby is going to continue to grow over time. And again, I'm not someone that's looking to buy and make a quick sale and buy quick sale. I mean, even within a few years. So, you know, there may be some ups and downs over the course of two, three, five, 10, 20 years or whatever. But, you know, when I look at the collection that I've built in 20, 25, 30 years, do I have some conviction that it's going to be worth at least as much or more, or maybe a lot more than it is now? Yeah, I do. And if I didn't, I, I, like I say, would, would spend less money on cards than I do. Uh, I think a lot of people are shaking their head and I know I've talked to a lot of people on this show that have a similar take than that. Awesome list. That was so much fun. Before I let you get out of here, we've talked about cards this whole time, but maybe like open up like your PC a little bit to us, like the top three or so cards that you currently own and why they're like kind of at the top of your PC. Yeah. All right. I'll do that. I, I grabbed a couple here. So they're cards that, you know, just, I decided to talk, you know, if you ask me my three favorite cards, I'd give you a different answer probably every <laughs> sure. day. You know? yeah. so, so just three cards that I'll talk about right now. So I'll show this one here. So this is a oh. 82 tops Lawrence Taylor rookie. And so I brought this one because um, you see, I got it signed here. Um, so this card I got. But that's a blue, blue uh, Giants blue auto. Is that? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's cool. Right. Yep. And he did with the inscription D goat. So, (laughs) right. So, so this was a card that I pulled from a pack when I was eight years old. Um, and you know, I've had it, had it ever since. And I brought it to the first national that I attended last year, the 2021 national in Chicago and got a chance to meet Lawrence Taylor and Barry Sanders and some other guys there and get autographs with my son. So you know, that was, that's just kind of a really cool card that kind of collects or connects all the the dots on my collecting, you know, pulling it when I was a kid, went to my first national last year mm-hmm. with my son, got a chance to meet LT. He was really cool. Barry Sanders was incredibly cool. I don't know if you've had a chance to meet him or get an autograph from him, but I highly recommend that. So, you know, just kind of having an opportunity to, to kind of have this card that I've had in my collection for so long, bring it with my son, meet LT, do it, you know, so that's, and I just got this one back from PSA. I finally got oh. it around, got around to getting it graded. So it's kind of fresh. How, how good does it feel now that it's in like a PSA? Nice. It feels permanent <laughs> now. Yeah. It only got a six. And man, I felt like I took good care of my cards as a kid, but you know, it's, it's tough. So. I'll take, I, hey, you pull that when you were eight. I'd take, I'd take a six all day. I think on that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So the next couple are both from 1948. So the first one is it, this is a mm. George Mike and rookie card. So 
most often when I think about kind of my favorite vintage basketball card, it's the Bill Russell rookie from 1957. Mm-hmm. And that really is my favorite vintage basketball card. It's your avatar, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of uh, cheating on my Russell Mike in, but this is really, this is, I think sort of without question, the first great basketball card, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the first real um, basketball set, 1948 Bowman, this Mike and rookie it's, it's a, you know, pretty rare card for, you know, by, by vintage numbers that I, I think the PSA pop is in the low four hundreds or so. So Fairly uncommon, especially really for kind of like, you know, I think most people consider to be clearly the first great basketball card. So um, I think it's a neat card. Mike is kind of like a little bit of a touchstone in terms of like, all right, but what would he be if he was in today's game? You know, he's kind of one of those guys where it's like, you know, who is he exactly? What does he mean? And so I think there's some really fun debate around him. You know, he's pretty clearly was the first great big man. I mean, absolutely dominant in his time. Um, you know, and so I think there's a lot of cool discussion that can come out of Mike in and, you know, this card significance is, is pretty unquestioned in the vintage basketball collecting community. So. My take on George Mike is that this guy's a legend because anyone who has a basketball drill named after him, <laughs> then you, whether you, 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 you know him or not, like I, as a kid knew Mike in from the Mike and drill playing basketball. So I always yeah. think about that whenever he's brought up. Yep, absolutely. I was doing that drill well before I had any idea who George Mikan even was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And then last one is on from the vintage baseball side from 1948 as well, which is the 1948 Leaf Jackie Robinson rookie. And, you know, I've alluded to to Jackie a little bit, and he's he's definitely one of my my favorite people to collect. You know, one of the things for me is I I really enjoy collecting people that not only you know, I admire their accomplishments on the field around the court, but also, you know, kind of who they are and what they've done in addition to that and how, you know, kind of how they've lived their lives. And he obviously, you know, is maybe, you know, maybe the most significant athlete we've had in American sports and, you know, the way he carried himself and what he represented and is, you know, makes him, you know, really meaningful for me to collect. And, his rookie card, you know, I, I hold that card and it just feels like I'm holding like an actual little piece of history. So that, that one's really significant to me and is one that I chased for quite a while before I was, I was able to get it and was a big day in my collection when I did. Nate, this was a heck of a conversation. I had so much fun learning from you. I know everyone out there um, probably can agree with a lot of the sentiment in this conversation. Awesome cards, awesome perspective. You can follow him at in cardboard veritas on Instagram. Nate, there's plenty of more I think that we could chop up based on some of what you talked about. So we'll have to get you back on. Thanks so much, man. Thanks a lot, Brad. I really appreciate it, man. It's been a lot of fun. And thanks for everything you do with the podcast. We really have enjoyed it for a long time and look forward to continuing to do so. Awesome, man. You take care. All right. That was a really fun conversation. I love talking with other collectors who are deeply passionate about our hobby, deeply passionate about their collections and what this hobby means. It is an escape. We should all treat it as such and enjoy the damn ride. You take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back always more stacking slabs on the other side of this. Peace out.